Let's get right to CNN anchor and chief congressional correspondent Manu Raju, who is on Capitol Hill chasing down these lawmakers about to hear from James Biden. Manu, what do they say? Yeah, they're actually defiant in the face of these damning revelations that really undercuts a central component of their impeachment investigation into the president, that as vice president, he acted in a corrupt scheme with his son, Hunter Biden. That has been, was the basis of the FBI informant Alexander Smirnov's testimony, or what he told federal prosecutors, and that is what has been the cause of his indictment, saying that the FBI and DOJ saying that he essentially made all of that up, and that could be the source of Russian disinformation. Now, for the first time, we've put the question directly to the Republicans who are investigating all of this, including the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, who I asked him about this revelation, whether he would take back what he had said about the president being involved in this bribery scheme, and Jim Jordan was defiant. About the president's involvement in a bribery scheme now that Alexander Smirnov has proven to have made it up and it was based off Russian intelligence. Doesn't change the four fundamental facts. Hunter Biden was on the put on the board of Burisma, gets paid a million dollars a year. Fact number two, he's not qualified to be on the board. He said so himself in an interview, I don't know, with you or, or some network. Fact number three, Zolotevsky and Pazarsky, the two executives at Burisma, specifically asked Hunter Biden, can you weigh in with D.C. and help us deal with the pressure we are facing from the prosecutor? Fact number four, Joe Biden, then, then he gets called. Hunter Biden calls his dad, according to Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner. Fact number four, Joe Biden then goes to Ukraine three days later and conditions the release of the money. American tax money on the firing of the prosecutor who was applying the pressure to the company that Hunter Biden set on the board but of. You said, fact, you, said, you said the 1023 is the most corroborating piece of information it you have. It corroborates, but it doesn't, it doesn't change those fundamental facts. So now but It's not true. Well, so, okay, so it's, it, the, the FBI told us that this source was so important. So that is one thing that Jim Jordan did actually say just a few weeks ago about that information from the FBI informant who is alleged to have made all of this up, saying that this is what Jordan said, this is the most corroborating evidence we have, is that 1023 form referring to the form that the FBI officials filled out while they were interviewing this informant. He said this is coming from a highly credible, confidential human source. And now we know that that is not true, but it really underscores the challenges that Republicans face here in trying to build the case to impeach Joe Biden. A number of members, especially in the rank and file, especially from swing districts, simply believe that the case has not been made. And that was before this indictment of this FBI informant. Shows you the hurdles they face as they face a critical moment in this more than year-long investigation into the president with James Biden, the president's brother here behind closed doors. That testimony about to begin in a matter of minutes. Hunter Biden expected to come next week. Yeah, what an interesting conversation you just had there, Manu, with Jim Jordan, with a night to think about this, trying to explain away this new revelation. Thank you so much for being there. Keep us posted. Again, expecting to see James Biden arrive fairly shortly. Uh, Sarah. It's me, John. All right. CNN senior law enforcement analyst and former deputy director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, is joining us. I know you were listening. Uh, I have uh, the first question to you really is looking at this. Republicans have been using what is now debunked information as a critical part of this impeachment hearing against uh, Biden. What do you make of the fact that they have now turned this on the FBI and said, hey, why didn't they know that this informant was a liar? He's been, you know, talking with them for over a decade. What's your reaction? Well, a couple things, Sarah. So uh, we're 
this a legal matter, which it's not. This is impeachment is a political matter. If this were a case making its way to an intended prosecution, there's almost no way it would go forward at this point. It's almost impossible to salvage a successful prosecution uh, after your primary uh, informant is exposed as a fabricator. Um, but of course, this isn't. That's not where we are. This is politics. So. I, I suppose the Republicans feel like they have to take some position. I think there are legitimate questions to ask about reliance, about what the FBI thought about this source early on. We know that he has been an official informant for them for as long as, I think, 10 years now. He's received numerous um, uh, admonitions along the way. He, pro he likely has had some record of success and corroborated reporting, but this one went completely off the rails. It seemed to me that the FBI was not, if you look back at the history of this, they were not really convinced about this reporting early on. They received it in 2020. They didn't act upon it in 2020. We also know that after receiving this reporting, the special prosecutor Weiss was compelled to agree to a very favorable plea agreement for Hunter Biden that did not include any allegations of corruption. So I think the bigger question to ask right now is why only after pronounced political pressure from people like James Comer and Chuck Grassley did the special prosecutor do a complete 180 and begin to, to kind of uh, treat this reporting as something that needed to be dealt with investigatively. Republicans had complained that they weren't getting all the information on this informant, uh, but they believed what he said, hook, line, and sinker. H how do you think it got this far um, before the FBA and ultimately the DOJ as a whole realized uh, just how many lies had been told? Well, I, I think it's it's significant that the bureau tried to resist turning over the 1023 to Congress, and that's likely because in that period of time they were trying to corroborate what had been told to them. Um, the 1023, as we know, is raw source reporting. It is not an opinion about whether or not the reporting is accurate. It is simply our, the FBI's way of documenting what the source tells you. Um, we also know from the indictment that they went through a, a pretty extended process of investigating the reporting. They talked to his associates. They looked at his communications and email, his associates' communications, his travel records, other people's travel records, and ultimately were able to patch that together to determine what he was telling them about these alleged meetings in 2015 and 2016 couldn't possibly be true. That takes some time to do. Uh, and obviously, they're, got, they're at the point now where they feel very confident that the source made the entire thing up. There are, like you said, a lot of questions that need to be answered um, by Hunter in this relationship. But what happens now to him when you have, this is really explosive information. You just said a criminal prosecution with this is your lead witness. Boy, you're in trouble. That's probably the end of the case. What happens now, do you think, with Hunter Biden? Well, it's interesting here because this witness who is now flamed out is not really a witness in the two cases that are going forward against Hunter Biden. Those are cases based on tax charges and also a gun charge. Uh, but his lawyers have done kind of an interesting thing here. They made a filing to the court yesterday basically saying that they had an agreement, a plea agreement, which they was favorable to them, and that the prosecutor walked away from that agreement only when 
on the basis of this reporting, which we now know to be false. And they are saying, so therefore, Judge, you should require the prosecutors to live up to the agreement they formally entered into and, and, and impose this plea agreement back on the parties. I'm not sure that's gonna work, but it is an interesting way of trying to tie his two prosecutions to, this, uh, to, the, to the fallacy of this, uh, of this false testimony. Andrew McCabe, it is always nice to have you on to unpack all of this because it is a lot of complicators, a lot of complications here. Uh, we appreciate your time.